You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to another edition of the AME Radio Show, the show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about everything art, music, and entertainment, and I'm really excited that you guys are here to join us for this. You know what? we got a couple of great guests coming up today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some sports news, probably one of the biggest n- announcements in sports came out this week, and a lot more. So before we get into anything, go check out our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. While you're there, you'll be able to see everything that is the AME experience on our radio, television, and magazine sites. Anything that you've missed, it's up there. Anything that we got coming up, it's going to tell you what that is. And you'll be able to download all of our apps for our Apple and Android platforms completely free on there. Sign up for our newsletter and, of course, all the social media links as well. So if you want to find us, there's ways to do it. We want to hear from you as well. So like us on those on the social media networks. Join us. Be a part of this conversation. And let's get the word out. Also, from our sponsor, GladdiesGoodies.com, that's G-L-A-D-D-Y-S-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com, when you go to the checkout on the shopping cart, use the promo code A-M-E. A is an Apple, M is a Mary, E is an Edward. And you will save 25% off your entire order. And what they have there is all the best natural treats for your dog or cat and a lot of swag for them, too, to keep them just looking their best, feeling their best, and eating at their best with some of the best uh, bowls and plates and all kinds of stuff up there for you. And their treats are 100% natural, which means there is no fillers and there's no additives, there's no byproducts, no chemicals, no salts, no artificial flavors, no nothing. They're just pure goodness for your dog or cat. Okay, so let's get into today's show, shall we? Let me start off by saying we, our, our guest today, we have Sophie Laurent coming on. She is the director of a new movie called Slut in a Good Way, and we're going to be talking to her about her, her movie and the positive message that it brings. So just, you know, it may sound like it's a little bit debaucherous, but it's really not. And we're going to be talking to her about this movie. And of course, I want to mention some of the things that we didn't get into the interview, which is it is being... Um, Distributed by Comedy Dynamics, and it's going to be here in the U.S., and it's going to be coming to theaters this weekend, so please go check that out. And there is a huge list of places that you could see it. It's all over the United States by going to ComedyDynamics.com forward slash slut in a good way, and you'll be able to see where you can see it in your area. And uh, we're going to be talking also to Sora Venikoff. She is the author of a brand new book called Eat More Pizza and Chocolate and Lose Weight. Wouldn't we love to do that, eat more chocolate and pizza and lose weight in the process? I, I, I love the idea. And she talks to you about it in a different way. And I think you guys are going to really find what she has to say very, very um, informative and something that you can use in your personal life as well. So we're going to be talking to her about her principles of this book, how to lose weight, and how to get her book. Okay, so well, some of the biggest news that came out in in sports this week. Obviously, the March Madness is going along. We are getting ready to have the Final Four here really soon. But also, in the NFL, the uh, Rob Gronkowski has retired. Everybody knows he is one of the probably the most prolific tight ends in the game. There aren't too many people that command a lot of attention when they, sh- when they step out on the field or fear put fear into the defender or the offense, depending on whatever position they play. But Rob Gronkowski was one of those people. He demanded a double coverage almost every play. He was one of the most prolific blockers that the ten- that the New England Patriots had. He could catch a ball in some of the weirdest positions possible. And I've also seen him carry three or four guys as they're trying to tackle him and get an extra 10 yards out of it. He was incredibly hard to, to defend against. And he's one of the reasons that the uh, New England Patriots have made so many Super Bowls since 2010. He has been in, let's see here, he's won three. He's been in two more. Um, so yeah, he's been in five Super Bowls, won three of them. That's not too bad. 
And unfortunately, he's going to be saying goodbye to football, and he's getting respect from just about every team that he's ever gone up against, including the New England Patriots. You know, unfortunately, I think it was, you know, a 10-year span for a tight end is not that long, but with the amount of injuries he's had, I can see it. You know, you've got to protect your body first. That's the most important thing in life because you only get one of those. And I have seen him take more hits to the back and knees, direct shots to the knees, than I have seen just about any other person take. And honestly, it was one of the only ways that you could get him down. So for, for him to be able to perform as long as he did at that high level, he's going out on top. He's a Super Bowl champion. They just won Super Bowl uh, 53 here uh, this past February. And again, he got injured there, but he still played through it, and he made the final catch of his career at the two-yard line, setting up his team to go to get that go-ahead touchdown that solidified their Super Bowl win. So we're going to miss him. We're going to miss his antics. But I have a feeling he's going to probably be showing up in the WWE here in the next couple of weeks. Um, WrestleMania th- is just about ready to happen, WrestleMania 36. So there's a good possibility we might see them introduce him there. But his manager also said that there's a good possibility you might see him in 2019. Or you might see him in 2020. Now, I don't know if he's going to be back with the Patriots, though, because he did really release a lot of salary cap space by by retiring. So I don't know if they're going to be able to bring him back. Or if he is coming back, it will be under a extremely redone contract. But I do know that he will always have a home in New England, guaranteed. And now, if he decides to pursue other things, he could obviously be an actor. He's crazy. And he could also do some amazing things on in the WWE as well, which is a little... It's still rough, but it's more controlled, so we'll see how that goes if he decides to go there, that way. But I, I, I know that he said that he will never accept a pass from any other quarterback other than Tom Brady, so we'll see if what's going to happen in the future. But for right now, all intents and purposes, he has retired, and the NFL will never be the same, I guarantee Okay, guys, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Sophie Laurent on the line talking about her movie, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Gladdy, the dachshund, the face of Gladdy's goodies. Are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to gladdiesgoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag and pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Hi, this is Crystal Hunt. I play Alicia Trisk on the new Pure Flix original series, Hilton Head Island. Log on to pureflix.com so you can stream Hilton Head Island and see me along with my mother, played by Don Mills, and my brother, played by Antonio Sabato, Jr. Hope you tune in. Hey, everybody. This is John Schneider. You know, Dukes of Hazard, Smallville, haves and have-nots. Anyway, you are listening to a great show, the AME Radio Show. I love it. I love it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Sophie Laurent. She is a uh, director of a brand new movie called Slut in a Good Way. And I'm really excited to talk to her about this movie. It sounds like it's going to be a really funny and, and fun movie to watch. And it is going to be hitting the movie theaters here in just a few days. Um, it will be airing in New York and Los Angeles on 329. So welcome to the show, uh, Sophie. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you, Jason. I'm glad you're here to uh, to talk and to us. You have to bear you have to bear with me because I'm French, okay? So if things gets out of hand, you got to help me out. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We can do that. This is just going to be a fun, a fun chat here uh, to learn a little bit about you, and, and we'll just take it as we go then. Go. All right. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into being a director? Well, uh, uh, first of all, I'm an actor. Uh, I've been an actress for you know more than 20 years now. That's how I started my career, and I've worked as a, on movie sets as well as an assistant director. And as a gopher, and and you know, in all kinds of um, uh, silly uh, jobs sometimes, um, and uh, worked myself up uh, as um, a technician and also as an actor. And one day I left the uh, technic part of it and uh, became a serious actor. Went to study over in England, and uh, came back to Canada and did most of my work as an actor and started directing while I was uh, doing a television series as a main lead. Um, for about five years, and I started directing episodes, and then I started making movies, and then I started producing um, television shows and, and movies, and that's where I stand today. What do you like? That, what's so fascinating about being a director? Um, for me, uh, it's a question of interpretation. Um, uh, reading a script is uh, is interpreting. Is it's it's acting in some ways because uh, when I work as a director, what I like the most is, is communicating with my actors. Is 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 you know going somewhere uh, where you don't necessarily know uh, where it's going to end at the end of the day. It's working on a scene. It's looking for you know subtleties in the script and and trying to to find situations that are going to you know. Um, uh, take it to its best level and um, and that's what's fascinating for me and it's making decisions along the way the artistic directions they're just going to make this script you know something of a blueprint in a real movie and that's what the challenge is I think personally anyways well it's fun to be able to to, to say that you've been in front of the camera and behind the camera because you can literally see mm -hmm. both aspects of how the movie or mm -hmm. the, the show is played out whereas a lot of people don't get that opportunity well, you know, it's a question of choice as well. Not everybody, I think, is, is you know, um, inclined to, to, to do the work on both sides of the cameras in a way that, you know, sometimes it's just not interesting, you know, and, and that's all there is to it. People, some people prefer just to act and others just to direct. Um, it's really a question of choice because, you know, there are different responsibilities. Uh, they are, you know, when, when you're directing a film, you have a hell of a lot of responsibilities on your shoulders. Uh, when you're acting, you, 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 you your only concern is, you know, which is a huge concern as well, but your main concern is to, to um, come up, you know, prepared and, and with a proposition of what you, you want to do, share it with the director and, you know, and help him out. And as he helps you to go a little further into the interpretation, a director has to interpret a lot of things, you know, the image, the, the sound, the music, the, the acting, the, 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 everything that he wants to use to, to tell his story. It's, it's very different. Have you ever tried to go and direct some uh, some scenes and also be in them as well? Because I know I, I see a lot of people do that, and that just it, it's so intriguing that they're able to do it. I don't know how it's done. Well, well, I I did that. My first experience as a, a director was done on this television show that I was doing. It was extremely popular. Um, it was a detective story, and I was uh, I was playing in it, and I was directing it as well. I directed some episodes, and I had to direct myself. And and yes, it does. <laughs> it does seem a bit weird from the outside. But I think that once you're an experienced actor, um, it 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 helps to have a lot of experience in order to be able to judge. I think, um, um, you know, rightly so, what you're doing and what the rest of the cast is doing and how things are moving along. But uh, uh, but you know, it's it's. It's a bit weird when you're on both sides of the uh, the project and you have to lead. I mean that that you have to have a nice um, you have to have a guard, what I call a guard, a solid guard around you, and that means that you have to have a good assistant director who's you know um, who stands by you and a script and and uh, a good um, director of photography. And with the help of those people that you trust, you can build things up. But you have to have an, a, a little army that you're used to work with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
So let's talk about this particular movie here because I know that it sounds it sounds mm-hmm. been, you know amazing to especially I love I love the the, uh, the the title of it um, when it was brought to you what made you decide this is a project I want to take on Well this project was not written you know it was not given to me a, 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 you know at first uh, the writer Catherine Niger, whom I worked with before. Uh, had written this coming-of-age movie, and um, she uh, had a director uh, working with her and her producer. And uh, in Canada, the uh, films are are publicly funded, and so you have to go in front of an institution, you have to sit, and, you know, you have to sell your script and, and sell your casting and, you know, sell the whole production value, and they decide whether or not your film is, is going to get funded and, and who's going to make what that year, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, so Catherine had, uh, had sat down in front of the institutions in, in Quebec, and she was having some problems. The, the film just wouldn't go go through. It wasn't getting any money. So at one point she called me, because also she had been given some notes on the scripts and on this, on that, and the other. And her producer and, and her called me, and you know they said, can you help because you know the things are not working. And sometimes I do work as a script doctor as well. So um, I read the script, and I said, you know, I think that what scares them basically is the subject. But that was, that's what I thought was the strength of the film, you know, uh, to make a film, um, a coming-of-age coming movie for just making another coming-of-age movie is uninteresting, unless you have something to, to say that's a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is a, a nice opportunity to... Um, to bring on something different and that's when i said to to them you know if you ever lose or change director please do call me because i'd like to do it and uh and that's how this you know that's how i ended up doing it wow now without giving away too much because we don't want to do that what's the basic movie about because i mean it sounds pretty pretty crazy on on the uh the headline but is it what what's what's the movie actually about well, it's it's about a young girl uh, exploring her her you know uh, pulsions or, or how do I say uh, her sexuality and uh, you know her needs and and uh, um, you know and and being infatuated with love or loss and not knowing the difference and it's about you know a teenage girl uh, with all the uh, contradictions that comes with it. And uh, who decides that she can maybe have her own sexual, you know, pleasure and, and discover certain things about, you know, relationship with human beings and having fun, you know, and all of that. Um, it's claiming her freedom in some ways. That's what it says on the poster, but that's really, a, you know, a good line. Um, and um, this, this girl uh, at one point realizes that maybe, maybe, you know, She's gone. She's gone too far, and she's trying to make up for it. And uh, that's what the film is all about. But it's basically about girls empowering themselves of their own body, uh, their own bodies, and what they want to do with it. And without being, you know, uh, without any morals or judgment or being feeling, you know, shameful about it. It's a healthy way of approaching sexuality. Yeah, that, that is a, a a question that's kind of coming up with a lot of kids today, and and you know it's not always an easy thing to do. And like you said, you know, learning the difference between love and lust. You know, I don't even know if adults know what that is sometimes. Well, that's it. You know, one has to to explore what hap- what happens basically. And the film, I must say, is never vulgar or or raunchy in any ways. Uh, it's a lot of you know. There's nothing um, explicit in the film, although we do talk a lot about sex. Uh, we're never actually in any wild sexual scenes. Um, but the thing is, uh, I think for young adults to talk about it, to explore it in a healthy and respectful way, is uh, will make, you know, better adults of them later on because um, they'll be, you know, they'll have a bit of um, experience and uh, they'll be able to think and make their own choices, you know. And to and that's what the movie is all about. That's what it's saying at the end. Is you know you don't have to know for sure where you're going, and it's okay not to know. And it's it's okay to you know to search, and it's okay to explore, and it's okay to have uh, different partners. You just have to be careful and to protect yourself, to respect yourself, respect the other people you're with, 
and um, and that's it basically you know you can still be friends and then you'll find out later on what lust is what love is or maybe you'll start you know knowing then you know but what is more important is that we're doing so without any morals or judgment mm-hmm. you know put into the uh, and into the film yeah that's definitely something that can humor go ahead it's done with humor and uh, and lots of um, I think generosity. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, uh, what should I say? There's nothing. Um, there's nothing too harsh. There's nothing too. Uh, we don't. The, the, there's nothing brutal about it. That's what I want. You know, I want the feeling. I want the film to be a light. Something light. Something. Something bright. Something intelligent. Something funny. Cute. Whatever. But not something shameful. And and. Um, ugly and vulgar well you know dealing with sexuality it, it, it's kind of one of those things that nobody likes to talk about e- you know even to this day it's mm-hmm. not something that people just go up and talk about too too much but you know what I, what I like about it is that you are not judging because I think that's what we're all afraid of no matter what we choose what path we choose or how we or how we go about it it's getting judged mm-hmm. for for the choices that we make yes and particularly when it comes to women uh, women are very good at judging their, themselves <laughs> yeah. and being the first one to be very harsh with themselves. And that's also what I, we wanted to address in the film. Uh, because Charlotte, uh, even though she feels like she's had too much fun, is trying to punish herself uh, before anyone else does. And, um, you know, that comes up in the film as well. And, uh, you know... It's important for the kids to to know, to learn, to to um, and not feel shameful about it. It is so important in our day of age, you know. That, uh, by continuing, uh, th- uh, when we think that our kids are not having sex, we're, we're you know we're we're out to lunch. Doesn't it? Doesn't you know? It doesn't make any sense, you know. To think that only boys are having sex, well, they're having sex with someone. That's you know? right. And <laughs> that someone is a 16 or 17 year old girl. It's you know, it's not you know, it's, it's, what else is or a guy? But you know, they're having sex with someone. They're not just having sex by themselves. So we have to to play them in. We have to play everyone in. Everyone has to be responsible for what they're doing, you know, and it's important to talk about it, and there's nothing shameful about it, because at that age, you're full of hormones, you know, you're, you know, you just, you don't even know what's going on, you know, in your own body, so it's okay to, to have someone telling you, you know, yeah, it's all right, don't, don't, you know, don't go crazy about it, it's normal, it's natural, you know. Well, you said something really interesting there, and and it's, I, I, I always seem to always over, always overlook that i don't know why but women do judge themselves harder than than men do and oh, and i'm glad that you're able to put that in into this movie because it, it's something that like i said from a man's perspective we don't always think about that why do you think that women do that to themselves though because women are made to be you know women are made to be to, to present themselves or to be perfect they have that sense of responsibility i don't know where it comes from, well, I do know where it comes from, but it's still going on, you know, in, in 19, uh, almost 1920, you know. When the young Megan says in the story, you know, it, you know, we're, you know, we're brought on, you know, uh, in life, you know, thinking that we're going to, we have to look like princes. We're dressed in pink. We like pink. We like flowers. We like, you know, Barbies and, and we like all that stuff, you know. It's like we are created to, to, um, for an image, for a representation of something, you know, and to, to wait slightly in line silently to be chosen by a, this Prince Charming, which is never going to, you know, come up because it doesn't exist, you know. So we're brought up like that. And, and you know, you go in any toy stores and you'll see that there are, you know, the toys for little girls are very, you know, um, are chosen that way. They're, you know, it's, it's little dolls with, you know, clothes and, and, and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. It's girly stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I think that it, 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 um, it does put, um, such a, a weight on, on girls to be perfect, to be, you know, the essence of what, uh, the, 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 
young ladies should be, you know, presentable, perfect, and without, you know, flawless, and um, to be the most uh, popular one in school, and, you know, and all, the, all this stuff is ridiculous, you know. That's not what we're all about, basically, but we've been, you know, brought that way. And uh, it does get to you, you know, and, and I think it's in our genes. <laughs> I think we carry that on. And now it's very difficult, you know, to, to put yourself aside, you know, from the, from the um, society and, and its demands and its, and its um, pressure uh, and not to look, you know, uh, our most and our utmost perfect. And uh, when we're not, you know, when we don't fill up the, the, the expectations, we're the first one to shame ourselves before anyone else does. We just, you know, we just want to let people know that we know that we're not good enough. It doesn't make sense. You no, know? it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And, you know, I'm glad that it you're doesn't. able to bring a movie like that to, to make it lighter for people and, and, and show people it's okay you know, and it's it's not like you're you're going to be chastised into having a you know wear all kinds of those uh, scarlet letters or anything like they like that that the, like they used exactly. to do. And it's 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 okay. You got to you got to find out who you are. Yeah, and and it's in a light you know in a light amusing way. You know, let's mm -hmm. not put any uh, an a weight you know, unnecessary weight on this because it's too much. It's just too much for nothing. But you know that's what the movie is all about. It's it's. It's about having fun, you know, mm -hmm. and and it's not there. No, there are no adults in the movie, so the girls and their friends are, you know, they're 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 the one telling us, you know, what they're doing. They're the ones showing us, and they're also the ones that are taking. They're finding their own solutions to their own problems. You see, they're not going towards an adult to see well what should to say or ask what should I do. Uh, what you know? What is the 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 solutions to my problems? No, they're 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 acting on their own, and that's what it that's what it should be. That's what it's all about, you know. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to your parents when you're 16 years old and you want an advice, you know, 90 90 percent of the chances are that you're gonna follow it, you know. But when your friends are talking to you, you know, <laughs> ah, that's another story, you know. So it was important for me to remove because there were some adults in the movie to start with, and I, I removed all of them because there comes here comes morals and and judgments and all of that, and I didn't want that to be part of the movie. Yeah. Now, have you had any screeners before this comes out? So to kind of get an idea of like what people's reactions would be, and if you have been able to do that, what have been some of the the, the reactions? Well, we had um, uh, the, the um, our distributor was uh, very afraid of the movie. Was very afraid of the reaction because we had a lot of reactions from forty-five-year-old uh, men who <laughs> have daughters that are sixteen or seventeen years old. That was really a shocker for them. So um, we uh, had a couple of um, uh, screenings with kids. Uh, who were around, you know, 14 to 24, and um, the um, the and also because the distributor was scared because the film is in black and white, and um, he thought maybe the young audience wouldn't, you know, go for it. But that was the 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 opposite. You know, they just they they loved it, and you know, girls adored the film and boys as well because they're not represented as. Uh, you know, they're cool guys in the films, you know, and they're not, you know, uh, pretentious or machos or anything of the kind, you know, they're, they're cool guys and they're fun to be with and the girls want to be with these cool guys, you know, they're not represented as, as a bunch of idiots. That's not what they're all about. And, you know, that's something that guys don't necessarily know or learn about because it's very, it's kept really quiet in school. So I think that would be a, a, a nice way to see the, the opposite side that they don't necessarily see. And that might help them in their relationship as well. Yeah, in some ways, yes, because they're the guys are very self-assured because they are in real life. They are, you know, they are the ones who are allowed to go out later on at night. You know, they drive. You know, they 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 have this um, this self-assurance that comes from you know education and and generations after generations, mm -hmm. but. The girls are not so self-assured, you know. They're they're like I said, made, made to feel insecure, you know, just on their looks, and then it's you know on how they behave and what's expected of them, and and it's you know it's a lot of pressure, you know. So it does help 
to see their point of view on these girls because uh, uh, it says something, you know. It says, you know, they don't know what the problem is. They don't have any problems, you know, so they're not able to recognize what's going on, you know. They just assume that, you know, things are, you know, meant to go, in, you know, in a certain fashion, and that's all there is to it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the implications for the girls are not the same, you know. That's true. Well, we got a few minutes left, so I want to be able to talk about where it's going to be coming out. It's going to be opening in New York at the Village East on uh, 181 189 Second Avenue, New York, uh, the Alamo Draft House on 445 Albee Square in Brooklyn, and it's also opening in, in Los Angeles at the uh, Lamel uh, Royal, which is the 11523 Santa Monica Boulevard, first floor in Los Angeles. And I'm sure that's going to be coming out in some other places, too. So where can, where can people see it after these opening dates? Is it going to be in theaters? Is it going to be on uh, video on demand? Is it going to be distributed on DVDs? Uh, what's some of the uh, ideas that you're going to have for that? Well, I don't know. The, the, uh, I think that um, um, I don't know right now what's going to, you know, where is it going to be uh, available. Um, I think that um, maybe um, uh, Dime... Um, Com- uh, dynamic comedy could uh, could would be better off uh, to tell you than me because I don't know what their plans are. Okay. Um, I haven't got a clue to tell you, frankly. Well, then well, I'm very surprised. It's, I know it's going. You know, I, I'm, I'm very surprised it's going in theater in the states. I know it's been bought in France and it's going out in Paris and 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 in Argentina, Chile, and all of that. But I don't know where exactly and how. You know. Well then, I guess the best way to do it would be to follow the website. So, what's the website for the uh, for the yeah. uh, movie? I think it's. Uh, let me check that out. Yeah. Is it comedydynamics.com forward slash? I think so. Forward slash uh, slot in a good way. Or slot slot in a good way. That's okay. For sure. Well, then that's where we're going to send everybody, and I want them to be able to check this out. And guys, this is definitely something I think that. We need to we need to, more discussions of and if and I think this is a this is a fun and exciting way to be able to do that for uh, your daughters and uh, for your friends and anybody else that, that may be out there and it's also going to be a good way to entertain each other so you know so Sophie thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this movie and um, I can't wait to see it myself and I'm excited for for you when it comes out and we'll see where it goes and hopefully it takes you to uh, a whole new level of your career. Well, thanks very much, Jason. That was very kind of you. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, Thank you. L- let us know any any time that, that you have new stuff coming out. I'd love to be able to get you back on to talk about it. You're a fascinating lady. Thank you. You're very kind. And, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you're listening to my new album, Swing Street. You can get it at dinamartin.com, Amazon, of course, any place where you can get a digital download. Go onto iTunes, but I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening to me on the radio. Hey, guys, it's Michael Campion. I play Jackson Fuller on Fuller House, and you're listening to AME Radio. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Sora Vernikoff. She is an award-winning author, and she is a no-diet weight loss coach. Really interesting to figure out what that means, and we're going to learn a little bit about that here in a few minutes. But she's also the author of a book called Eat What You Want, When You Want. What better diet could you have than that, right? So welcome to the show, uh, Sora. How are you doing today? 
Oh, I'm really good, Jason. I'm feeling really good. It's freezing in Manhattan, um, like 27 degrees, but I'm hanging in. Well, that, that's all you can hope for, and I know that I know that the weather up there until you know usually around like uh, Easter time, it won't it'll, it'll be kind of sporadic, going up and down, up and down, up yeah, and down. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah. So but t- it's all good. So tell me a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get into um, the the world of of eating and and diets and and all this other kind of stuff? Did you have a bad experience with a diet? Well, yes, you know, Jason, over 20 years ago, I used to teach these really tough kids in East New York, Brooklyn, and these were kids who walked, talked, did all those other things, you know, and at the same time I used to diet, I was always dieting, take off the weight, but I always regained it. One day, I looked at these 35 fourth graders, and I said, Sora, how come these kids who walk, talk, and do those other things listen to you, but food has no animate qualities, you can't stop thinking about it, and you can't stop eating. And that was my aha moment. I said, I, I had an idea. I'm going to stop dieting. I'm going to eat the foods that I really want. But I'm going to journal every eating experience to find out why I can't stop thinking about food and why I can't stop eating. Well, I did that, and I took off 25 pounds. And when I reached my goal, I knew that I could transfer my classroom management techniques to food management techniques. And the result is the no-diet system that's taught in the book. So my passion was really to transform myself because I didn't understand if I could manage impossible kids, how come I couldn't manage food that wasn't alive. That's true. Now, is it because of the fact that we always think about food or the ways that we accept food, is that part of like a mental block or a mental disorder that we have? Because I know what some people it truly is. You know, you have like, you know, bulimia and anorexia, which are mental problems, but is it a form of mental problems with with the way that we treat food if even if we don't have it to that extreme well i i don't know that i like the word mental problem what i will share with you and your listeners that it is a wiring problem i don't even like the word problem between me and you i like the word challenge because challenge means it's resolvable problem sounds so onious you know true so i will tell you that folks who struggle with weight um do have a wiring challenge, and that is, um, and it's all in the book, that they simply think more about food a day than a person without a weight problem. They real So pretend that every day you have 35 squares that are a movie and you print it out from your chip every day. Well, let's say a person without a weight problem sees 21 non-food thoughts and 14 food thoughts, but a person with a weight problem sees 21 food thoughts and 14 non-food thoughts. So by using the system, they can transform that by choice on a conscious level. So, so at the end of the day, a person with a weight problem has has um I call them food think food thought overthinkers. They just comp- repeat food thoughts too many times, and they can't stop it, and they don't have conscious control over it. But the system I developed gives you conscious control over the repetition. So I hardly talk about food in my book because food's the object of the challenge. Sure. The real challenge is managing the mind when you want to repeat those food thoughts, and that's what the two techniques in my system teach you to do. Well, I'll tell you, I know very well what mind over matter can do. And, you know, you can stop pain, you can stop a lot of things. If you uh-huh. just chain your brain to ignore it or at least deal with it in a more positive way. Well, basically, that's what I do. Uh, that's what the, the system teaches you to do. It says, when that food... So, the way I just... Dis- describe a, uh, a person's mind that has a weight problem is this way. Uh, you know, think of your mind. <laughs> I'm a woman, so I love to shop. So think of your mind. This came to me. Think of your mind as a shopping mall. On the ground floor, you're standing there, and you have a weight challenge, okay? Mm-hmm. But on the first floor, you have a food thought puppet. And connecting the first floor with the ground floor is an escalator. Your food puppet that you have no conscious control of sends down food pictures, and you can't control the speed of the rate. So the system I developed lets you manage the escalator and and decide how many food thoughts are going to come down to your conscious thinking and that I'm going to stop that escalator when I want to. So it's really a marriage between your conscious and your subconscious, but in a very simple way. Mm-hmm. So why don't diets work usually? What's What's the main cause? You know, that's my pet peeve. I, I wish people just really understood why diets don't work because it's really simple. So... I'm going to share a very simple illustration that your listeners can see as well as yourself. Think about a clock. You go on a diet at 12 o'clock. 
I want to lose weight, I want to get healthier, I'm going to follow the rules of this diet. Now, the people who created the diet decide what you can eat, when you can eat, how much you can eat, and don't trust yourself because obviously you can't trust yourself with food. So you go on this diet because you want to lose weight and you want to get healthier and you want to go on a cruise or get married or some goal that you set for yourself. Well, you go on this diet, you're good, good, good. Now we get to 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock, you're good, good, good. Wow, I lost a pound or two. I'm really being good. I'm following the rules of this diet, of the diet. Not your rules, but the rules of the diet. So then we get down to 6 o'clock. Oh, my God, I can't take this anymore. I have to have Oreos. You know, I have to have wheat thins. And so what do you, you, which really means translated, I have to get away from the rules of the diet. I want what I want. So what do you do? You go, and I call it diet binging or diet overeating. You have the food that you really want. As And actually, what's so ironic, what people don't understand is, is, is that that's the only thing you can do to get back the management from the diet. So you're doing the only thing you can do to survive. And then, but what do you do? You beat yourself up. Oh, my God, I couldn't follow the rules of the diet. Look what a bad person I am. Look how I can't trust myself with food. When in reality, you did the only thing to take back management. But then you say, oh, my God, I obviously can't do this without the diet. So now we go to 9 o'clock, and 9 o'clock says, well, I better go back on that diet because look what I just did. So you go back to 12 o'clock knowing full well that there's another diet overeating experience in the back of your mind. And the reason diets don't work is really simple. They're not your rules. You didn't make them up. They're not your choices. And so you're always going to want to go off it because they're not your rules. Diets don't work. And what about, you know, everybody is is wired differently. I mean, everybody has different structures. Uh, they have different personalities. They have everything's different. So, you, I mean, every diet, even if you did decide to do one and stuck to it and, and it worked, it may not work completely well because it's designed for a, gen, a, genera, a generic idea as opposed to an, an, individ, an individual's situation. So, you know, what, what may work for somebody may not work for the other person. Am I right? Well, that's an, really an interesting statement. Um, my opinion as what I call, uh, I, 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 my opinion is that if there were, if there was, uh, diets don't work because if there were so, you wouldn't need so many if diets worked. That's number one. Right. Number two, it really doesn't matter what diet you go on, you're gonna fail. Statistics show that 97% of folks who diet regain years. And again, because it doesn't address the core issue, which is the overthinking, over-repetitive food thought problem. Until you can create a non-overweight food thought mind, can you really have a non-overweight body and maintain it? I don't think so. Because even if you go on a diet and if you lose 25 pounds, you're still going to put it back on because all those extra food thoughts are running around your brain. Until you reduce the number of repetitions, um, you really can't become permanently thin. And that's how what I believe. And it doesn't matter what diet you go on and it doesn't matter what personality you have. You're still going to fail. And the reason, unless of course you're very good at being rigid and following other people's rules. Sure. But if, you know, if that were the case, then most people wouldn't regain the weight. Until you reduce the number of visual repetitions of your food thoughts on a daily basis, permanent weight control truly, truly, truly is not possible. Now, does the, the type of food that you have impact your ability to weight, to lose weight? Like, like, like you said, you can pretty much eat what you want, but what if you have a high calorie consumption or like people like talk about carbs all the time is this a, a problem too or, or do you still have to kind of mon monitor what you eat well that's a great question jason because there are two there are two techniques in the system and the and the techniques let you monitor what you eat so um it, i can give you an example if you would uh be interested in me teaching you and your listener how to use one of the techniques, and then you'll see why you become self-monitoring, having the food you like, which will lead to weight loss. Would you like that? Sure, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So one of the techniques in um, Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, your no-diet weight loss program, is called the green technique. So what's your favorite food, Jason? Um, I guess my favorite food would be some type of, like, Italian spaghettis. I love I love different types of spaghettis. All right, so let's say you have a bowl of spaghetti in front of you. Is that fair? Yeah. I want okay, and now I want all the listeners to think about their favorite food and pretend that it's in front of them. 
Well, let's say you were using the system. The first thing you would have to do is, when you use the green technique, is before you could have any spaghetti, Jason, you have to ask yourself, like, two questions. The first question you have to ask yourself is, how much is enough? And the second question you have to ask yourself is, how much is too enough? too much. And the reason you have to ask yourself that is what I discovered is that as a person with a weight problem, this is all through my journalings, that nothing I ate was enough. And because nothing I ate was enough, I wasn't able to stop myself. So the first thing you need to do is ask yourself how much is enough and how much is too much. I'd like you to do that now, Jason. And I'd like your listeners to think about the food that's in front of them and to ask themselves the same two questions. And when let's take a pretend moment, and when you've decided that, Jason, you let me know. Okay, I can kind of get an idea. Okay. Now I want you to pick a time on your plate. Pretend that your plate is a clock. And I want you to move over the amount that's too much, even, you know, cut it up and do what you need to do. Move the amount that's too much over to a time on the clock. And we call that amount your marker, the amount that was too much. So I'd like you to do that now. I'd like you to physically push aside the amount that's too much. Okay. All right. So now you have two amounts on your plate, Jason. You have the amount of spaghetti that's enough, and you have the amount of spaghetti that's too much. So you've taken a lot of actions before you even put that spaghetti in your mouth. You've asked yourself two questions, and you've created a physical act of moving the amount that's too much over to a time on your clock. Well, guess what? It's time to eat the amount that you decided was enough, So, uh, but not your marker, all right? So let's pretend that you ate a spaghetti that was enough. Now you look at your marker. You knew, you know that you ate and stopped yourself. Why, Jason? Because you had enough. And how do you know you had enough? Because you set aside a marker, and the marker is still there. Now let's say you say, hey, but sorry, you know, I set aside a lot of spaghetti in the marker. I still want some more. Well, you can have some more spaghetti from your marker, Jason, but you have to leave a new marker, okay? With no marker, nothing is enough, and you can't stop yourself. Mm-hmm. So by always knowing how much is enough and always having a marker to let you know that you know how much is enough, you're now able to stop yourself. And once you're able to eat and stop, you're going to think less about spaghetti, and you're going to eat less. Because the problem with overeaters is that nothing is enough because they can't eat and stop. But once they decide how much is enough, then you can eat and stop. And so you're not going to want as much because when you have enough of what you want, do you tend to want more or less? Usually if, I, if, if, I, if it's uh, what I want, it's usually, it's usually enough. Exactly. Exactly. But you see, the thing is, folks with a, a, a weight challenge don't know how much is enough is. So I've set up this system where they decide how much is enough before they eat, set us, push aside the marker, and the marker lets them know the amount they ate is enough. When you consistently know that you can give yourself enough food and stop yourself, big chance you're going to want less. Because don't forget, as I said, I discovered that the reason I couldn't eat and stop was nothing was enough. But once I uh, decided on this marker technique, always knowing how much was enough, I felt no deprivation, and I was satisfied. And ultimately, too much got boring, you see? Mm -hmm. Too much got boring because I I fed myself enough. Interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I see on one of your questions here, and this this is fascinating too, how the dishes, utensils, and napkins that you use can make you thin. That's really, Absolutely. That's really interesting to me. Okay, well, here's the thing. You know, there's a lot of anxiety attached to the act of eating, especially if you're challenged with food. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what I've learned is that boredom is the nail death of desire. So what I want folks to do is I want them to focus on the two techniques in the system, so by keep by sitting in the same chair, using the same plate, the same color napkin, the same knife and fork, you're taking the excitement away from those elements and you're focusing on the food and you're taking those three steps before you eat, which is going to let you take your weight off. Because if one day you're eating off green plates and one day you're eating off orange plates and then you have birthday napkins with one meal and and you have plastic utensils with one, there's a lot of excitement. You know, change breeds excitement. You know, you know, 
a change says, oh, that's that's another golden thing, another golden thing. So what we want to do is make all elements boring, at least I do, around the eating experience so I can look at the food, say how much is enough, how much is too much, make sure to set aside my marker at a specific time, and then I can eat and know I stop myself because that's the most important thing to me, not the excitement of the new plate. The more you excite yourself by changing your plate, your color of your napkin, where you eat the food, the less attention you're going to pay to using the technique, and that's not going to help you. And I have one more uh, thing that I saw in here that I think is really important, and then we'll get into a little bit more about the book. And it says, um, how routinizing your day can help make you thin. I kind of have an idea, but I think other people would, would benefit from hearing this in case they haven't thought about it. So let's talk about that real quick. Oh, sure. Well, I'm a big believer in, <laughs> you know, I'm a big believer in, struct- in, in structure. Like, you know, if you get up in the morning and go, I don't know what I'm doing today. Well, I'm just going to wait. You know, I think you should get up in the morning and you should know what you're going to do. You know, you should get off at the bed and have a morning routine. And whether you're going to work or not going to work, I think it's important to structure your day. Because there's a lot of benefits to that. One, you get to see what you're really capable of doing with built-in flexibility, um, you're able to accept what you can and cannot do. And um, also, by having a structured day, it's easier to manage your food intake. Like if you know that your lunchtime is at 12 and you know you're working and that's when you eat, at least you know 12 o'clock you're eating. Or if you know that you want to eat breakfast at 8.30, you know at 8.30 you're eating. By seeing all of this, I mean written down in some format, it just, you can rely on the paper. You can let go to the paper and say, hey, I know my schedule's on the paper. I don't have to think in angst, you know. Like every night before I go to bed, I set up a thing. What I want to buy, who I want to call, who I have to email. And I divide my day into three parts, morning, afternoon, and evening. And it really gives me tremendous relief, you know. It just does because I don't have to worry or think or wonder. I can just follow the paper and make choices, you know. Does that also really quickly help reduce some of these stress eaters that because they, they get overwhelmed with stuff? So maybe by prioritizing and, and making a daily routine, it helps them reduce that stress so they don't necessarily binge to make themselves feel better. 100%. I actually have a weekly plan as well. I have a, a daily plan and a weekly plan. And, and I do the weekly plan like on Sunday. And again, all the days are divided into three parts. I have three Roman numerals, personal, work and social because what I wanted to gift myself with this was really important to me I wanted to understand what my true capacities were without making myself sick you know I wanted to understand what flexibility was um, you know how I could say no to doing one thing on one day because I could make it up in the next day but having it on paper and then crossing it out at the end of the week has helped me learn what I'm really capable of with keeping my stress level as low as possible, which isn't always easy. So the answer to your question is yes. I'm about committing to paper. That's a big thing in my life. I hear that. So now I want to take the last few minutes of the show here to kind of talk about the – kind of talk about your your book here. So when they buy Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, what are they going to be kind of getting? What should they expect? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Well, it's a workbook. If they buy the print, um, it's a workbook, and what they do is they uh, they learn why diets don't work, they learn about the food thoughts they might overthink, and then they learn how to eat and stop, drink and stop, uh, bloat and stop, three additional weight loss medicine strategies. There's an appendix in the back they can tear out so they can check in during the day to see that they're using the techniques correctly. And it's really simple. I was a school teacher for 30 years, so everything is laid out in in a really simple manner. The whole book would take you like two hours, and, and it's just set up like a workbook. If you buy the digital, if you buy the download, um, it's not as simple, I think, because it's best to have the paper so you can actually experience the techniques better, but they both serve the same purpose. You learn to eat and stop. By the time you finish my book, you've got it. You know, I, and I can't stress how important it is to have diet books that are very easy and simple, or even just like what you have here, talking about you know different techniques that you can use to help you keep the weight off. To be, 
you know, simple because of the fact that if you make it complicated and it's got a lot of hard words and a lot of measuring and a lot of everything else, it's kind of like reading a technical manual. If people don't understand that, they're going to put it away, you know, because well, they you, don't, you know, it bothers them. Well, here's the thing. I was, I was blessed in that I taught in East New York, Brooklyn, and I taught very challenged kids. I mean, very. And so one of my skill sets is I understand how to take complexity and make it ABC. Mm-hmm. My goal was that I had to go to a McDonald's in East New York, Brooklyn, which is inner city, and read the book out loud to the folks in McDonald's, and if they got it, I was good. And I was good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell me a little bit about what was the inspiration behind writing this book. Oh, I had to share my knowledge. You know, I'm an educator at heart, mm-hmm. so I, I, I needed a book. I needed to stand up in front of folks and say, yeah, I did it, and so can you. And you can get off this diet, and it's not that hard. I mean, you know what? I've decided that in life it's choose your heart. You know, you can go on a diet, follow the rules, be deprived, lose the weight, and then regain it. Or you can use the two techniques in my system that let you lose the weight, minimize the number of times a day you think about food, get thinner and healthier, and all without having to diet. And I like to say the choice is yours. Choose your heart. Well, we got about three minutes before we got to go to our commercial break, and I want people to be able to find the book. And also, do you offer any type of help if they want to talk to you one-on-one or anything like that outside of the book? So tell oh, us any way that they can contact you and where they can get the book and all that stuff. Oh, totally. Um, thank you, Jason. Um, they go to www.nodieting.net, and um, they can purchase my book there, or they can go to the coaching page and set up a free con- a free consultation, um, and I can hear about what their struggles are, and then we can see if we can work together. And also, if they go to nodieting.net and they sign up, they can get a free monthly Your Make Peace with Food newsletter and an ebook called um, It. Uh, it, uh, no dieting, it's not your fault. Like, the dieting is not your fault, and I explain why diets don't work. So there's a lot of information on my site, plus a free phone conversation. Well, Sora, you are an amazing lady. I love what you're doing oh, here, and I really hope you. that we've enticed people enough and got them <laughs> peaked enough to want to go check this out and talk to you a little bit more and maybe change their life, too. So thank you for what, you've do- what you're doing. I-, I really hope that we can get you back on here to talk about more stuff in the future. Oh, well, actually, um, I did design a plate that will help folks uh, lose weight without dieting, and I hope to have that. So, Jason, I'm going to take you up on that, and I'll be back in touch. Well, I would absolutely love that, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk to us and talk to our listeners, and I hope that they've learned something and, they, and they're going to follow through with it. Hope so. Thank, th- I do. I really hope so for them. All right, and guys, that was Sora uh, Ver- Vernikoff. Um, again, the book is Eat What You Want, When You Want. And we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy, that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hey guys, it's Lily Mae Silverstein playing Penny in my new movie, Alex and Me, which will come out digitally on June 19th, so go check it out. Hey, what's up? I am Dana Davis from Lifetime Suburban Swingers Club, also from Heroes, from Star vs. the Forces of Evil, and from Craig of the Creek on a Cartoon Network. You are listening to AME Radio. Welcome back, everybody. But we are running out of time, unfortunately. We've got about just 30 seconds left. 
However, before I leave, I want to let you guys know about something really cool going on this April. There will be a MMC Mickey Mouse Club reunion at Epcot and a couple of Comic Cons across Orlando. So if you are in that area, go check that out. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the only show we have for this week, guys. We will be back again next week. Same time, same channel. Keep those creative juices flowing. Good night, everybody. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.